this is my cue now, another boring missionary speaker. Good luck. If you need a nap, have one now. It was a hot night up here, wasn't it? Um, it's so good to be here. I, um, I'm actually from Yakandanda, so this feels really lovely to come up here. I was born and raised in Yak on a dairy farm, and I would have been the fifth generation um, caretaker of that land, but uh, it didn't happen. My parents uh, felt a call when I was a late teenager to serve in mission um, in the city of Melbourne, actually. I don't, some of you might know, uh, um, he's deceased now, but John Smith and God Squad. Anyone have a brush with that at some point in your life? Bless you. You recover. Um, so that's kind of the community I came up into. Bretho family in the country, and then as a teenager moved um, with mum and dad and my siblings to Melbourne. And a lot of the, the ministry I grew up in at home was... was uh, was a bit multicultural but a lot of it was with prisoners actually my dad had worked with prison fellowship for many years and um and as a chaplain kind of in that prison space as well so um had a few crims through my home and you know some stories there but i'm not going to bore you with those um but it's my pleasure today to share with you about sharing god's love and and i and i could stand up here and i could tell you some great stories about mishos but um you know you've heard all that and you can look that up online I'm going to let you do, I'm going to let you do that I really wanted to share and to challenge us all to think about what it means for us to share God's love and to join in with God's mission across the street and across the world um, I want to dwell specifically on mission from the perspective of God's love and how we become caught up in the vibrant communities of faith sharing in that same love for nearly 140 years baptist mission australia has been forming and sending people like you to go into the world to go across the street and across the world got a clicker here see if i can make it work there you go um at baptist mission australia we're committed to seeing vibrant communities so this is kind of our mission statement vibrant communities from all over the world following jesus in their own distinctive ways and you're going to know the best way for people from Wayne to encounter Jesus and to be disciples this is not just one of our organizational goals this is a commitment that flows from our conviction that nothing matters more nothing matters more than sharing God's love for the world God's love for the world in other words is the fountainhead for all we hope to do in mission and you remember not long ago, I think, um, the pastor was sharing from 1 Peter. and that, uh, Second Peter, I'm sorry. And, and the story of Peter is one of being a witness in the world, humbly. And there's a beautiful verse in, in 1 Peter that talks about uh, nothing being greater than love, that above all, love one another. It's an important theme through scripture. So when we talk about God's love for the world, what do you think of? John 3.16, right? You've thought about this. You've heard this verse. It's a famous verse. It's been plastered on roadside church notice boards, printed in bold type on handmade posters at professional sporting events and memorised by every Sunday school teacher. It might be happening in there right now. Every single student worth their salt has learned that one. For God so loved the world. And I grew up with the sound of John 3.16 in my ears and maybe you did too. It's such a familiar verse, such a familiar verse to many of us that we, it may have even lost some of its impact like really familiar things sometimes do. 
And I want you to think about its power over you. For God so loved the world. It's a radical idea if you stop to think about it for a minute. The God who made the world and all that is in it. The God who summons the universe into being. The God who argues with Job and subdues the slave-driving superpower of Egypt and causes the seasons to come and go. This God, this is the God who loves the world so much that he submitted himself to the frailty of being human. And when we come to John 3.16, it's easy to rush ahead in the scriptures, isn't it? Just to keep reading, get to the next bit. We go to the saving and the none shall perish and the condemning and the believing and the judgment and the eternal life, all important things. But pretty soon, we're marching off with Jesus and the disciples into the Judean countryside and we're striding towards Samaria and that famous encounter that we all know with the woman at Jacob's well. But I want today, just for us to dwell here for a minute, to stay here and linger with this simple, startling fact that God loves the world. At Baptist Mission Australia, we've recently worked really hard, actually, to distill, just kind of distill down our values and get our vision really tight and really measurable and really actionable. After much prayer and reflection and countless conversations and conversations with our stakeholders, partners and workers, people in our churches, we developed a roadmap that actually directs our steps for the next five years. And you can look at this on online. I really encourage you to if you want to kind of get into the nitty-gritty of what we're about as an organisation. As a result of this process, we emphatically settle on the reason we exist as an organisation, and it's simply this, because nothing matters more than sharing God's love for the world. And this leads us back to the words that Jesus said to Nicodemus, right? That's the story. Jesus meets Nicodemus and says, For God so loved the world. I wonder how these words affected Nicodemus. I wonder how they affect you now. When you stop to think, is that really the most important thing? Sure, there's a lot of important things. There are some pretty important things. And there's just because we choose one doesn't mean the others don't matter. But for God so loved the world. What was Nicodemus's response? I wonder if it rang true with him. Or maybe it jarred with his understanding of the way God's works. Because we know he was a Pharisee. He was someone who took the law really seriously. A good Bible-believing first-century Pharisee. He really took scripture seriously and his faith tradition. We do know that Nicodemus shows up a couple of times again, doesn't he? Through uh, Later on in John, um, you remember that he helped Joseph with Jesus' burial in chapter 19. But something changed in Nicodemus. He came in the darkness, but he emerged in the light. He'd gone around from sneaking to see Jesus under the cover of night to publicly associating with Jesus even as he was crucified. From my own belief and experience, and I wonder if you resonate with this as a follower of Jesus, John 3.16 puts its finger on the gentle but persistent pulse of mission. This love is the steady heartbeat of every worthy Christian witness and of every vibrant community that emerges from life, death and the resurrection of Jesus. But it's clearly not enough just to announce it here in church, say it out loud. That doesn't do the job, right? 
um, we have to take some next steps. We need to internalise this same love. We need to let it shape us and then for us to articulate this love, to say it out in word and deed to the people and places around us. And Jesus is our pioneer in this regard, pioneer and our teacher. So what does it look like? How is love visible to your neighbours? I'm reminded of of a definition actually by a guy called John Frankie, a theologian, and he he says it like this. This is God's mission. Jesus called the world to follow his way of life and participate in the kingdom of God, a community of love where everyone has enough and no one needs to be afraid. That's a, I think it's a really beautiful and inspired way to talk about a vibrant community of faith where everyone has enough and no one needs to be afraid. Imagine if Wang knew this community as that kind of community. What a beautiful community to enter into relationship with. As I said earlier, it's clearly not enough for us to announce the fact of God's love, put signs up. We need to internalise it. We need to let it shape and form us. That's the discipleship journey. And then we need to enact that same love to the world around us. And this is the kind of love that we hear from stories uh, all the time from one another in our local communities of faith, in our Baptist family. We also hear it from missionaries overseas, um, intercultural workers are experiencing this kind of stuff all the time but it's not just for those far off lands and for generic stuff it's for you and it's for me how can we talk about it if we're to make our lives conform to the the work of God's mission in the world we're going to also need to become intimate with God's love for the world mission and love are inseparable so my question to you it's a bit of a challenge And you don't have to answer it now. In fact, have a think about it. Do you love the world in this John 3.16 way? Now, I'm not talking about the world that that causes corruption and the the world that we could critique. I'm talking about the way that, that for God so loves the world. Do you have affection for the world? You live in a beautiful part of the world up here. I mean, how can you not at least have some affection for your neighbours, for a sunrise, These are the kind of things I want you to think about because if we don't have these, our mission will be on on the wrong foot. So at the very least, we need to be cultivating an affection for the world as it is, not as we think it should be. This is a really important distinction. God doesn't withhold God's love for the world until, as my mum would say, it gets its act together. God's love for the world is without precondition or qualification. Let me say that again. God doesn't withhold love from the world until it gets its act together. And neither should we. And it's really important as we're thinking about that to recognise what it does not say in Scripture. It does not say that God was so disappointed in the world. It doesn't say... Well, God was so angry with the world that he sent his only son. doesn't say that. And it doesn't even say that God so loved the few religious people of the world. In fact, it says, for God so loved the world. And in, it's even more accurately, you could say, for God so loved the whole cosmos. That's the Greek word that's used. So as we read scripture carefully, 
and see God's work in the world around us, one thing stands out. God wants to save us with our places, not from our places. God wants to save us with our neighbours, not from our neighbours. The whole cosmos, all of God's magnificent handiwork, is being caught up in God's redemptive salvation plan. Now, we don't have time to go through all the references to God's uh, sending love. And I could, you know, there's book, lots of volumes of books written about this. If you're really interested, I can give you those. Um, but it is worth just noting some verses from the book of John. Oh my goodness, that's small, isn't it? Sorry. I'll read out a couple of them. Um, I give you a new, this is John 13, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. And you also should love one another. John 15, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. John 17, as you have sent, in that famous prayer, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And how was Jesus sent? In love. Jesus said to them again, this is John 20, Shalom, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So how do we get involved? I'm not going to know exactly how to get involved in this place. This is your place. <laughs> so part of that's the part of the role that we operate as an organisation is to allow people to think culturally and carefully about their context. What does it mean for someone from Wang who's not part of God's grace and loving community and hasn't come into that self-evict relationship? What does it mean for them to experience God's love? That's for you all to work out. But here's a framework. Here's kind of a, an outline before I wrap it up. I had the uh, privilege of living for almost 20 years in an African-American neighbourhood in the United States. My Kentucky accent's gone away a bit because the, the yak one stuck. Like, it didn't have room to really evolve. So I still have a bit of a yak accent, but I did live for 20 years in the inner city in the United States. And the experience of downtown life in the US taught me so much about community, mission, and the ways of Jesus. But one of the greatest gifts was hearing the stories, these incredible stories, of people who participated in the civil rights movement over the 1950s and 60s and 70s. And as you know, that famous Baptist pastor who led it, Martin Luther King Jr., he insisted there was no room for hate, there was only room for love, and there was no room for, re for retaliation in a struggle for freedom. So his mission was firmly rooted in love. And it was common for participants in this movement, the civil rights movement, to talk about internalising, organising and mobilising. Internalising God's love simply means doing the deep devotional work. I trust you are all committed to that. It means doing the work to receive God's love in our lives and growing a Jesus-shaped love for the world. We should find ourselves growing affection for the world that God so loves, John 3.16. That's internalising. Organising God's love means finding ways to practise this love in word and deed to the people and places right around us. And it's lovely to see your plans for Easter. What a, what a generous expression just to put on a party. It's a very Jesus thing to do. Put on a party, bless people. That's a lovely first step. Absolutely, 
there will be opportunities to share very directly God's love for them in the context of sharing God's love for the world. So good on you for doing that. So organising it is best done in community. And we can get involved in evangelism and justice and creation care and stewardship or any number of kingdom of God projects, like the ones I'm sure you do in addition to that. And the third thing is mobilising God's love. And that means taking your organisation and your organising to the next level. It means lifting your eyes a bit beyond your own horizon, a bit beyond your immediate context. Um, and you look for ways to grow your influence as people and as a community of faith. And you do this beautifully. You've done it. I think I was looking up your um, our connection with you over many decades. Such generosity comes from this place. Thank you so much. You've, you've made kingdom and eternal difference already. And we're grateful for the way of Baptist churches as they discern uh, that, that ends of the earth part of their mission. Um, who will they partner with? We'd be honoured if you continue to partner with us in that space as well. I said at the beginning, and I, and I promise I'm finishing now so everyone can relax and think about what's next. I said at the beginning that our vision at Baptist Mission Australia is to see vibrant communities following Jesus in their own distinctive ways. And we see this happening through spirit-led people humbly contextualising the good news in every place, and that includes you. A vibrant community will inhabit God's love in a way that relationships are restored. Forgiveness is given, fear is extinguished, and the world that God so loves, every bit of it, flourishes in every direction. And you and I have a role in this kind of flourishing as we partner together, across the street and across the world. Now some of you will head, heed the call and take your families internationally, making new homes and friends in far off places. Others, other, others of us will summon the courage to initiate caring rela relationships across difference in our own homes and contexts in this city of Langaretta. Many of us will commit ourselves to prayerful partnership and support to enable the service of others. Whatever your place in this network of loving kindness, you too have a calling and mission. And I hope you continue to pursue that calling. I know you're going to discover the great gift of participating in God's love for the world. I'm going to leave you this with a benediction from another farmer, from Kentucky farmer Wendell Berry, who's one of my favourite poets and writers, uh, and a man uh, who attends his little Baptist church in country, in rural Kentucky. I take literally the statement in the Gospel of John that God loves the world. I believe that the world was created and approved by love, that it subsists, coheres, and endures by love, and that insofar as it is redeemable, it can be redeemed only by love. I believe that divine love incarnate and indwelling in the world summons the world always toward wholeness, which ultimately is reconciliation and atonement with God. May God's peace be with you.